Hey guys, Tucker here, co-host of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. Before we get into this week's show, I wanted to let you know that we're currently looking for more projects. So for any of you guys that listen to the show that may be an agent or otherwise that have a property that you're looking to sell, we'd love to hear from you. Obviously, we're looking to purchase properties that are maybe not best suited for the retail market or maybe they need to be redeveloped. So we do renovations and we do new construction so we could buy an existing home that maybe it smells like cigarette smoke, maybe it hasn't been updated in decades, maybe it's got some fun functional issues, some problems like that, or maybe it's just in an area that is best suited to take the house down, partition the lot, maybe build a couple new homes, or just build one new home in its place, and anything in between. So if you guys out there in Listenerland have anything that would be best suited selling to a development company like ours, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to our website, which is ttmdevelopmentcompany.com, and when you go there, there's a contact us tab. Click on that, and you can send us a message, and we'll get back to you shortly thereafter. We'd love to hear from any of you guys out there that have a property like this, and hopefully we we can do a deal together. This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihue from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. All right, everybody out there in listener land, welcome back. This is episode 102 of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. We have uh, quite a series we got going here. We've been told that we need to bring on notable females <laughs> that we should be talking to in the real estate space, and Steve and I listened, uh, not only because his uh, significant other told him to do it, but because we think it's a good idea. So without further ado, I want to welcome my uh, co-host, Mr. Steve Nassar, and our second and, you know, arguably better co-host, Mr. Joe Kutsolo. What's up, guys? Thank you. Hey. hey. <clears throat> I want to point something out to you guys that's pretty cool. Okay, so remember the 100th podcast? We had three objectives we wanted to hit, right? We wanted more females. We wanted more Joe. And we wanted more top producers and the top 150 producers. Well, guess what we have all of in one show? We've got a female guest by the way, I looked up her numbers. She's in the top 50, if I'm not mistaken, as far as producing agents in Portland Metro. And we've got Joe. So we're, hey. we've got all three boxes checked in one interview. How's that for efficiency? That's awesome. I would, I'd say we did pretty good. And it wasn't a jab at your significant other, by the way. That was a good suggestion on her part because I know she's listening. So I'm, I'm glad that uh, <laughs> she suggested it. And now here we are. So She actually suggested by name our guest today, Brittany Gibbs. Oh. Welcome to the show. Jen Rash, actually, we've met you at a couple of Lawyers Title events. I know you close with Lawyers Title as well. You also work with Zach Duncan, a good friend of mine. I've known Zach 10, 11 years. We go way back to the Alpine Mortgage days. We work together and and we've uh, been friends a long time. I know you two work together and he's he, every time I get together with him, in fact, we're grabbing happy hour next week. He talks so highly of you. And for many months and years, you were just kind of this folklore figure behind the scenes that I didn't know who you were. I just heard all these great stories about how busy you were and how much you were doing and how new to the business you are. So welcome, Brittany, first of all. Thank you for the kind well, of you got to give her an intro. Okay, so who is Brittany, Steve? Well, you got to do the proper intro here <laughs> so she doesn't have to tell the world herself. Yeah. She's the owner of, well, and top producing agent, of course, and the owner of the Move Real Estate Group, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, she is. Yes, okay. she is. So let's let's just start there. 
prior to real estate, Brittany, what were you doing and how long have you been licensed as a realtor? Yeah, so uh, directly before real estate, I worked in a car dealership, a locally owned car dealership, uh, mainly with customer relations, finance, um, I guess it was sort of a little bit of a manager slash executive assistant to the owner. And uh, I've only been licensed since late 2014, beginning in 2015. Wow. So four years, right? Yeah. Just a year ago, you were able to get your principal broker license, which yeah. you have to have three years to do. Yeah. I did. I, I actually started a brokerage the day after I became a principal broker. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So you've, you've <laughs> had your own brokerage about a year then. Yeah, since last July. Okay. And Brittany, tell the world how old you are, by the way. I'm 28. <laughs> 28. She's a baby, Tucker. Joe? Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Ooh, Congratulations. So for you. Yeah. So how long were you in the car world? So I actually first started working out at a, a car auction fresh out of high school. And then I met uh, a lot of business owners. I mean, that was my primary job was to talk to owners like the owners of dealerships and then i actually got a job from one of those dealers so i ended up working there for a couple of years and then worked in a dealership uh, atmosphere for another couple of years before i started in real estate interesting do you think that background helped you or hurt you it helped me a lot actually i think i was pretty fortunate to start at the dealership that i did because he was he was young he was very very much so an entrepreneur. And um, he taught me a lot of communication skills. I was a little bit, I was a little bit of a nerd before I met him and he was really good with communication and it definitely helped me. I mean, he put me in front of people all the time. And if somebody came in with a problem, he would be like, you got this right. And I, I would just have to kind of wing it. And it grew me as a person significantly. Yeah. You know, there is a tendency, a lot of people do come from that business into our world and I can, you can kind of see it go both ways. It sounds like you were with somebody, like you said, use the word entrepreneur. He ran his business well. There are a lot of, you know, less scrupulous and weird business <laughs> yes. versions of that business. And we see some of them come in the business and boy, and the, the closing techniques they talk about and, you know, some of the, the Steve, the, do you remember we started on this place <laughs> called the Boulevard Yeah, <laughs> and there was... Let's see. There were uh, pimps, drug dealers, felons. Uh, oh, car salesmen. A whole variety yeah. of people that started with us at that little, well, it wasn't a little black box. It was a rather large black box yeah. well, that will remain nameless. But Mc McLaughlin. Yes, the boulevard. Yeah. How can you have a mortgage company uh, on McLaughlin Boulevard and not, that, that, that's basically a turnstile of new people that they're training and not have a bunch of car salesmen, right? Don't get me wrong. There is a lot of, you know, there's a lot that, of good that can be taught in that business. Um, it sounds like you you were fortunate to be associated with, with a company like that. So you got your principal broker's license three, like literally a day after you were in the business three years. Was that your plan all along or did that kind of, you know, come to fruition over time? Like you're like, you know what, I want to do my own thing as soon as I can. Or were you planning that for a longer period of time? You know, I knew I was going to get my principal broker's license the day that I could. I had almost actually petitioned to get it earlier. I didn't even come up with the idea that I was going to start my own brokerage until much later. And there was a few things that kind of geared towards that. I'd actually walked into a listing appointment and I was like, oh, I'm with so-and-so brokerage. And they almost escorted me out because they're like, oh, no, no, our past experience was that. And we don't want to go down that road again. And I had to like almost talk myself out of the fact that I was associated with them directly. 
And so then I just decided that I wanted my reputation to be mine. And that is the ultimate reason why I started my own brokerage is because I didn't want anybody else in control of my reputation. It's interesting because we have three of you guys that all are, you know, owners or part owners and brokerages here on the uh, show today, which is cool. It's it's also interesting because, I mean, I'm sure you could all attest to it, but you go in to be a real estate agent, you're kind of self-employed. But then if you're a real estate agent and you own your own brokerage, you're absolutely self-employed. So you guys are all well on the self over the self-employed line, which is kind of interesting, I think. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Brittany, since we skipped down to that question, I want to ask you, did you open your brokerage? You said you want to have your own reputation. You obviously run a, a successful team. Was that your pure end goal for owning a brokerage or do you have ambitions to hire other agents not affiliated with your team and grow the brokerage, maybe even have other offices? Yeah, I thought about it. I have two offices now, but they're both for my team. I don't know if I intend on having people that aren't associated with my team. It seems like a lot of liability currently. I don't think that that'll be, I think I eventually will. Um, I think I'll still always bring on a select few. I don't think I have any desire to be huge. Because I do, I, I think that reputation part is so important to me that if I'm not directly involved with the people and who I bring on, I don't, I don't think that that beginning goal is is going to last very long. So mm-hmm. I don't think I ever have this intention to be huge, a huge brokerage that just brings on anybody. I try to add people onto my team that have the same core values. So I think that if I do bring people on, it'll be a similar situation where I feel like they're still in line with how I feel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's back up real quick. Then I, I was just curious about that because that's a, you know, obviously you've done a lot in a very short period of time is kind of the, the next question that Steve has queued up for me here. But do you, when you started, did you have any connections or anybody that kind of helped you along? Or what do you think kind of propelled you so quickly to not only be successful as an agent, but then also move forward in getting your uh, broker's license as well? Pretty quickly on, I met somebody that mentored me and he did it, you know, for nothing. He essentially just, he became a good friend of mine and I would go into him with every question in the book. I'd call him all hours of the day and night. And he really pushed me to be essentially, you know, the best I could be. And we run our businesses completely different. Lance Swanson at Keller Williams Portland Central, which is where I started. And he would give me these tips that would help me kind of push past the emotional part of beginning. And so I would reach out to him all the time and ask him how to do stuff, ask him how to write a repair addendum. And essentially I feel like I kind of skipped a lot of that learning level because he's, he has a really good perspective on business and communication. And so I think that I owe a lot to the beginning part of my success through him. I mean, I think that the reason I've been as successful is I've always worked so hard. I mean, to get, you know, here, for sure. So, mm-hmm. you know, that is a commonality. I have to say, Brittany, it's an interesting question. It's one we like to ask a lot of successful agents. And in fact, any successful agent we, we ever talk to, we're going to ask, you know, what, what, is, what is the secret sauce behind your success and what have been the things that contributed to it? And you can, you can go off on different tangents, but I have to say there's a couple commonalities you'll always find. One is hard work. You're going to find that person that just does whatever it takes, especially in the early days. What you'll often find is as you get more successful and you leverage yourself and you build out systems, and you build a team. Yeah, you can work less. But one thing you'll see about all those people, yourself included, myself included, Joe included, 
if need be, that gear is still hidden back there and you will bring it back out. In other words, if all of a sudden two team members quit, right, on, on the same day, then all of a sudden you roll up your sleeves and go, okay, what were they doing? I'm doing it now, right? The other commonality I always find is confidence. If you took the top 100 agents in the country, they might all do things differently and they different skill sets and different advantages, but they'll all truly believe that when they get in front of a client, it is in that client's best interest to work with them and they're going to have the best experience and they're going to take care of them the best. And, and, that, and that just is something clients can read and feel and, and they eat, eat out of your hands and it, it's what leads to their success. So as you gained traction in the business, Brittany, and you started to build momentum and, and you were getting busier and busier, as we all do when you're early and successful and you start to have, you know, one client turns into three, which turns into five. What were the things you did? What were the activities you consistently did to fuel that business? And what were the, what were the things that let you shift those gears into those next levels? So, I mean, I've always kind of, I have a week plan, you know, I have a, you know, every Monday, I always do like my, what I call my weekend cleanup. Every Tuesday I do, you know, client follow-up. Everybody that I'm currently in escrow, Wednesday and Thursday are for new clients. Friday is for like my, my weekend plan. And I've kept that throughout since the very beginning, since I started. And I think that that's helped me not, you know, kind of always keep it. I work at like a job. So I always keep that. And every single day I start with that. And I think that that's helped me kind of keep moving up quickly is because I'm, I'm really doing it intentionally. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you kind of compartmentalize your time, <laughs> which a lot of people have a hard time doing, especially when they're self-employed. So is that kind of what you're, what you're saying? The busier I got, the more I had to, mm -hmm. you know, I the, the little things went away. Like I forgot to, you know, the deal was going great. So I didn't, I didn't call, I didn't tell them anything. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm getting complaints that, Oh, you haven't called me in two weeks or a week and a half, you know? And then I'm like, Oh man, like everything was going smooth in my mind. And I just, you know, you forget those little things and the busier you get, you forget that. And so I started to just make it a point every single time. I actually learned that from uh, Mark Alto, which is a, a great mortgage broker here. And he, Every single Tuesday, regardless of the deal. And at first I thought it was kind of funny. He'd call me and be like, hey, it's Tuesday follow-up day. And then I'm like, well, that's actually a great idea. Is like they can expect to hear from you every single Tuesday. And then it, all, it just made my business way easier. Do you do that with active listings, Brittany? Like if they're not pending? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I have a list of every client, every mortgage record, everything. And I first I call everybody in the business. I call it title and lender. And then... I just say like, hey, what's going on in this deal? Do we have any information? Or I'll look at the, you know, the current saves on Zillow and Redfin and things like that. And I will have notes to give to every single one of my clients because I think that that's, that's all they need to hear to make you not the bad guy, you know? Because mm -hmm. sometimes it's like if a house isn't selling, it's like, oh, you're not a great realtor, but that's not the case always, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and it also opens the door for some of the, you know, some of the communications you don't want to have like price drops or just some of the feedback you've been getting. So, yeah, that's interesting. Cause I have, to, I mean, for me personally, I have to, I do the, my nightly routine is I do like a list at night of like my, what I have to get done the next day when it's quiet, of course. And I finally put the monsters to bed, but, uh, I'll do my list at night and that allows me to kind of compartmentalize my time the next day. But it's, it's interesting you say that because without that, you're kind of a rudderless ship. You're just kind of bouncing all over the place in the world of self-employment and you're putting out fires, you're dealing with your day and the day will kind of come at you fast and furious sometimes. So definitely a good tip there on how to, I guess, 
get more out of your day for sure. Yeah, it sounds like you take a very proactive approach versus reactive. And that's a big, big difference. That's a big difference. Yeah, it was learned for sure. Because there was, I mean, I felt like I was constantly putting out fires there for a minute. And then I was like, I think I got to get in front of them before that happens for sure. So. Yep. Yep. I've often said that. I mean, it comes to mind on everything, but, but on like an, where it's easiest to forget it is like on an active listing that's not pending. And I've often said and believed that ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is not the part of the seller that is. Mm -hmm. In other words, if they don't know what's going on, they're, they're not happy. And yeah. so how you address that is proactive communication, regular contact. Voice to voice is, is great and it's very important, but there's other things you can do just to be proactive with them for sure. I got a question about your prospecting side of it. Just we're going to rabbit hole here a little bit, but like, let's say you talk to somebody and they're potentially interested in listing with you. Like, do you have a, and they, I mean, you haven't signed anything or whatnot, but you've just had a conversation. You feel like it's going to work in some way at some point. Do you have a follow-up sequence with them to stay relevant in their mind so that they don't forget about you at some point as well? Do you treat that the same way? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I have a list of clients that, and that actually can be on like my Wednesday, Thursday where like I do lead follow-up because I don't consider them a client at that point. So I would call them and be like, Hey, like, where are you at in the process? Have you decided on somebody? And then, yeah, I try to stay in front of people as much as I can. You know, the busier I get, the harder those ones are, you know, but I, I definitely try. Very cool. So moving forward then, you know, I don't know that I've ever had this moment, Steve, but you wrote the question <laughs> down. So I'm going to ask it. Uh, but at what point do you feel like you you were going to make it in this business? Like, because there's a big attrition rate. Like, I, I don't know if I can think of one other person other than Steve that's stuck in the mortgage business <laughs> when we started back in the day. And, and mortgage is very similar to real, the real estate side or the agent side. But was there a point in time where you felt like, okay, you know what? I'm getting traction. I'm actually going to make this work. Or did you just have the mindset the whole time that this is going to work come hell or high water? I'm just going to make it work. Yeah, I actually, I've always thought, like, I didn't have another option. Like, I had to kind of succeed. I didn't want to go back to the car business. I didn't want to work seven days a week or, you know, 12-hour days. I was, I had just met my husband. I was thinking about the family side of things. And, you know, I just didn't want to go back to that. And so I, I really didn't give myself that option at all of failing. And so I never had that, like, moment. I just kind of was like, I'm going to do this. And then as I started to get traction, it was great. What a lot of people don't know is I took, I, it took about six months off last year. And that was that moment of, am I going to make it? Cause I did. I, when I had to restart again, I don't know if I had that same ambition, like, you know, the first time as, as I did the first time. So yeah, that was, that was the biggest thing. Was that cause you had a kid, Brittany? I had a kid, a sick kid. Yeah, my, oh. my my second born was in the hospital for um, about oh, man. four okay. and a half months. Yeah, so well, I shut shut down shop for about six months. That makes your numbers and your success that much more impressive. My goodness, you took six months off and you're still in the top fifty for the last twelve months. <laughs> I uh, I had a I had to work really hard for two reasons. I wanted the building that I'm in, and uh, I had to catch back up. You know, I have a family to take care of and we're definitely, you know, we've always been a two income family and um, our life was built on that. And but those were those moments I was that was more important to me. So I, I did. I shut down shop for about six months. And when I had to start getting that traction again, it was like, oh, my gosh, like this is way harder than I remembered it because it's like starting over fresh. You take a month off or six months off in real estate, 
you're taking a year off, you know, you really have to like work hard to get back up in front of people and that, uh, that constant flow of business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I a lot of people that knew me, my sphere were afraid to reach out, you know, because a lot of people that were friends with me on Facebook didn't know essentially that, that I had a sick kid and that I had just gotten home with them or I was in the hospital with them and nobody reached out to me during that time, which was also a weird thing. You know, I was like, Hey, I still run my business, but like, yeah, it just nobody wanted to, none of my sphere wanted to reach out to me. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a, that'd be a side component of that. They're, they think, you know, it, it puts them in a kind of a limbo. Do we, do we bugger or not? Yeah, I get that. One other question we were going to ask you, Brittany, were there ever any big oopses or blunders along the way as, as you were a brand new agent? I mean, I know I had one, I'll give you an example. It happens to all of us. I mean, nobody gets in this business and that first showing the lockbox key works or you don't lock yourself out the back door <laughs> of a deck on a house as you go out to show it to them and then it locks behind you. That's a hypothetical, right? <laughs> Couldn't have happened to me, right? Did you have anything like that, Brittany? I mean, uh, yeah. I'm the, uh, not as put together as I might seem. I, I definitely have it all the time, but I think that, like, I don't know. I'm just... You're human. You're bound to have that kind of stuff happen. But yeah, I mean, I can't well, think. Okay, of- here's a better question on the spot, right? I'm, I'm, yeah. we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see if, if you want to answer. Uh, so well, I'll ask Steve too, and he can say, what was like the most friction-filled experience with a client that ended good, but like maybe it was like a blunder or a conversation that created friction, but ultimately ended good? Because that's probably something that other people have had experienced as well, right? Like maybe the pr- you how you you priced a house like a hundred grand too high. And then you had to talk about five price drops to get it to the point that it's sold or something like that. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, so I think that, you know, for me, I, I think it always brings back down to like the communication side of it. Like I missed something pretty big in a, in a conversation and, you know, didn't exclude something or, uh, I've had that happen actually twice and I've definitely learned my lesson um, and then the other side of it is, yeah, I mean, price drops, when you price the house wrong, that's like, that's pretty bad. You know, like for me, I always hate those conversations because I, I try to be as proactive as I can. But I think that one thing that I have learned time and time again is that the communication side of it, really listening to what people need out of a, out of a, out of a deal and then being wrong on that and then having to kind of eat girl and come back to it. Joe, what about you? What have you had go wrong on a transaction? We've had rough ones together. You remember those? <laughs> yeah, let's hear your guys' knockdown drag out, huh? Yeah, let's I just I just well. want a deal that doesn't have hair on it. Just one. <laughs> <laughs> I could have eleven bad ones and one good one, like one out of a dozen. That's all I want. It seems like they all kind of have hair on it uh, right now. There's like way too many to to list, but you'll be able to read it in my book when I uh, come out with my memoirs of real estate. I think a couple that come to mind, this wasn't, I think some of the, some of the weirdest transactions that come to my mind is ones where there's a divorce happening and they're both sitting at the table with you and you just can cut the air with a knife, the tension and the animosity and you're just, and sometimes they're snapping at each other and you're just navigating that and 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 you have to do that throughout the entire process. It's those those ones definitely are are ch- are challenging, but just uh, interesting, aren't they? I figured that one out though. The divorce thing. And oh, please uh, shed some light on that for us, Joe. It, it <laughs> well, you really just, you just solved the really problem. Kind for of, kind of America, sounds though. bad. It does. It kind of sounds bad. But when people are beating each other up, 
I'm just like, hey, guys, I understand what you're going through. This is your divorce, not my divorce. I'm here to help you with real estate. So get a little wood on the ball and just stay focused. When I leave, you can kill each other. But uh, let's just stay focused. And it, it's kind of an asshole thing to say. However, it really kind of snaps them into shape. It's like we're going to leave the caddy stuff aside and we're going to focus on real estate, which is kind of nice because having done a lot of divorce situations, if the soon-to-be ex-wife says, I want to accept it, the soon-to-be ex-husband might not want to because she said yes or vice versa, you know, and all the personalities come into play. But what I did want to tell you about Brittany um, I don't know if you guys have had a transaction with Brittany, but I've had the wonderful experience to have a transaction with, with Brittany. And instead of asking her about herself, I can tell you on a firsthand experience that she is dedicated and driven. She is ethical. She's a beautiful person inside and out. And I really um, admire her entrepreneurship because I think not only when you you bought this building and and you have moved real estate, but don't you have like a design, furnishing, staging thing as well? Am I right? Yeah, I stage all my own listings. Thank you for the kind words, Leslie. I um, I do. I stage all my own listings because ultimately that's kind of what I like. I mean, real estate makes really good money, um, but I I love design and I like staging houses. <laughs> A lot. So wow. I offer it for free for all my listings. Do you, so you, where do you wear, you have like a warehouse of some sort, Brittany, that you hold all this furniture in? Cause you obviously have a lot of listings. I do. Yeah. I have a, I have a pretty large office and warehouse off Killingsworth in Northeast. And so the second office, I have a couple agents that work out of there and then we keep all of our furniture there as well. And and do you hire movers, like contract movers for the process? Yeah, I have two. Um, they're like two assistants that help me stage. Wow. And I stage a lot of my own listings. I, I go there and kind of point. <laughs> but, uh, how does that go? Because, uh, I mean, obviously certain people have somewhat gaudy uh, stuff, right? And they're like, oh, look at my beautiful couch. And you're probably like, I think we need to scrap that and uh, get something nicer in there. But, I mean, so do you do it for all of them or just the ones that are empty? No, I, I try to do as, as many as I can. You can tell when people feel uncomfortable about it. And then you can tell the people that will be like, just sell my house. I don't care what you do. And then, you know, they come home and I've moved all of their furniture into the garage. It's sometimes a weird conversation. But... Ultimately, I, the conversation I have with people is just that, like, look, I want to sell your house. And sometimes it's the psychology of walking into a house and feeling good um, that does it. And staging has done that for me. And it's in, it's improved my numbers significantly. And it also is kind of sets me aside from people when I'm at a listing appointment. It's like, hey, look, I'm going to come in. I'm going to stage your house. I'm going to tell you what you need to do up front. I'm going to do it for you. I have a team that specifically does that. And you know, it's just a part of our listing presentation. And no charge to them, Brittany? No. no. Wow. I don't want to compete with you. <laughs> well, that would explain her numbers. I mean, shoot. Jeez. Yeah. 
And on Wednesdays, she donates blood, and then she does a dog (laughs) rescue. And uh, I mean, it's also just something I like to do. So sometimes I feel like guilty for charging it, but it also like gets me more money in the long run. I mean, I don't know how many people I've been up against where they're charging less money, but they don't offer staging, and I get it because even though I offer a little bit more, I have all these other things. So you know, at the end of the day, I think that it's I've walked away with appointments that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, because people will say staging, but then they'll say, oh, it's going to cost you a couple thousand dollars or, you know, I'm going to charge X amount because of, I have to pay a couple thousand dollars. So the fact that I kind of went and I bought all this furniture, which, uh, is also a really bad thing that I have when I really love furniture. And, um, my husband actually tells me I can't bring things home unless I have a place for them. So, so you need furniture rehab is what you're telling me. So, <laughs> so the fact that I get to bring it to my office and, and stage other people's houses yeah, helps my marriage. Yeah. Honestly, I can I can legitimately say I've never spoken with a realtor here locally or maybe anywhere that does that and actually has all the stuff. I mean, I've, I've met many and, and, you know, sometimes I'll kick money towards staging and I've, I've met a lot of people that, that do that. But to actually run that operation concurrently with all the other stuff we have to do is unheard of. So, my gosh, I, I, and I'm not kidding. I, I hope we don't compete on deals. I, <laughs> you're over on the east side, right? Like mostly. I'm all over the place. I'm coming. Okay, so I gotta know. Like, was just stay on the east side. side. <laughs> <laughs> and I, exactly right for Steve's sake. Uh, but logistically, then, so did you make? It was probably a pretty big capital investment then to buy a lot of this furniture. And then of course, you know, it pays for itself with time. But I mean, was this an idea you had at the beginning? You're like, I'm going to start stockpiling the staging furniture and use that as a competitive advantage to get listings. Yeah. What was the thought process there? Cause that's a much bigger risk than most realtors are willing to take. Totally. So I actually had a pretty big goal in my mind, which I'm trying to take step by step. And the goal would be to be like the one stop shop, somebody that uh, can help with staging, you know, moving when that time came, because, you know, sometimes if the deal goes a day late and people have movers in order and then they're shuffling and they can't get movers till next Thursday and it's just like all this stuff. And so I essentially had this plan um, when I first started my brokerage that the next goal would be to be like a one-stop shop where I come in, I stage the house, it's vacant, I move people, I, you know, I do all these things to help make the process more simple. And I found that the staging thing was was something I could do right up front. And, you know, the moving side of it is is not really something that I'm like going after right now. But I think eventually I will want to do that for all thing where I just basically like you hire me and I help you with all of it. And it's almost like a build your own listing package. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I'm guessing you've got a strong contractor relationship somewhere. I do. I really yeah. do. Yeah. My, yeah. Actually my family. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's important enough. No, I'm 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 with you. I get it. I 100% get it. Like um I think that's a big part of what we do as as realtors, we're kind of the quarterbacks of the transaction. That's what I usually say and as and and so we're we're kind of um the orchestra leader making sure we've got a great network that's going to create that overall smooth experience. We may not know everything, but, but being able to resource those and, and you've actually gone so far as to bring some of those in house, which gives you even that much more control. Here's um, another, here's another one for you office, Steve's well off script we'll say. So obviously you're trying to build kind of a one-stop shop experience for people. 
do you have or had have you had experience um, maybe outside of the realm of just being a realtor, but do you have ambitions to get into maybe your own flips, builds, design to do that type of stuff for yourself as well? Or do you just want to do it for clients that you're servicing on the real estate agent end? I like remodeling. And so, I mean, yeah, the idea would be eventually I'll do my own flips, but currently I'm a little bit of a householder. So I buy stuff. I just like, I will remodel it and then I keep it. So it's kind of a, I mean, something I'll eventually maybe do a flip or, you know, I really want to build my own house. Um, my husband and I have talked about that quite a bit, but currently, um, yeah, I have a couple of rentals and I'm my, I have an apartment here in my commercial building that I, I do love remodeling, but I don't think I, right now in our current market, I'll want to do that. I don't think I'm um, as versed in it as some of the other people that are doing really well. Gotcha. Brittany, I have a quick question for you. Where where do you actually live? What's What city do you live in? I live in Happy Valley. Happy Valley. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you, and, and you do business all over the metro area. Okay. Um, talk about your team, Brittany. How many are on your team and how is it structured? Actually, for the past year, year and a half, I've only had about three people other than myself and then a transaction coordinator. And so the team, when I started building the team, it was mainly because I didn't want to drive to the west side. And because, as you know, like it's kind of hard to get over there if you're coming from, you know, Happy Valley and you got a showing out in Hillsborough at five o'clock. It's just not it's not ideal. And I didn't want to do it anymore with having kids. I didn't want to come home late. So I decided first I was going to hire somebody on the west side and they were going to do everything on the west side. And then I started kind of getting to that point where I'm like, well, maybe I should just hire different people in different parts of town. So, you know, somebody in like deep northeast Vancouver area. And then somebody over on the west side, somebody that specializes in downtown. And that's how I've hired my team. So currently I have have six people, three in which I've hired in the last month. And so we've been a team of three and now we're a team of six just recently. So Licensed? All licensed? Are we talking about um, unlicensed assistants too? No, all of my assistants are licensed. Yeah, just to make sure that, you know, that gray area is kind of met or if open houses or inspections or whatever it be yeah they can do that are they all buyers agents and listing agents or do you go to all the listings no i kind of let everybody take their buy their clients so even if i provide the lead if they have a house to sell i have them do that as well because i think people feel more comfortable with that you know sometimes if i go and be like oh i'm the listing person i think they feel uncomfortable they're like no, no no we hired this person and i just didn't like that awkwardness and I think that my agents felt a little bit awkward too. Like they had really good rapport with that person. And so I was like, Hey, like you take it, you know? And I found that to be a little bit more successful. And I don't, I don't want to do all of the listings all over town. I just want everybody to be really good with their clients and specialize in their community. And that's essentially just, so everybody does everything. Mm-hmm. And you, Brittany, I, I know from my conversations with you and, and Zach in the past, you do quite a bit with Zillow. So are those team members, are they kind of the upfront ISA taking the Zillow lead and then running all the way to the finish line with it as well? Yeah. So yeah. I started Zillow uh, about two years after I got into the business because um, I actually wanted to use their coming soon feature and for like listings that I would get. And then all of a sudden I closed a few deals off of them. So I was like, oh, this is really cool. You know, um, this is easy. And so I currently Zillow is what my team does and they take pretty much all the Zillow leads at this moment. Um, 
and I kind of just work on sphere and uh, referrals that I get from lender partners or whoever. Mm-hmm. So here's a off the off the topic question off the off the beaten path. Has you, has your feelings towards Zillow changed in the last year or two, or are you? Steve loves Zillow, so that's why he's asking. But yeah, I, and, 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 and there's no right or wrong answer. I'm just curious. I have a love hate relationship with them. I have some really good people at Zillow that have helped me along, um, and you know, it, it did give me a little bit of a boost. You know, when I started, I didn't have this. You know, I was, you know, at 25 years old. You know, half of your friends are still in college. We're living in a the dorm. They're not out buying houses, so you can't really depend on your sphere to build this business. You know, a successful one at 24, 25 years old. So for me, it was, you know, I loved it back then. And then when they switched to the live transfers, oh man, I had a, I had a two months where they gave me nothing. And I was mm-hmm. like, you've got to be kidding me because my ROI was really good. So when they would just drop leads, we would close like nobody's business. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. when they got into, you know, the mix, I was like, their ISAs aren't as good as we are. Yep. So I was really, really frustrated with them. And then it got a little bit better. And then they rolled out this new flex program that's going to hit Portland in a year. And I hate it. I Mm -hmm. absolutely hate it because being a team lead, our ROI is better than some of that. So when you're talking paying a referral fee to a large company um, on deals that you close, it takes that part away. Like now you're paying a referral fee on every single deal that you close. So, you know, I, I'm beginning to not love them, but you know, I'm going to, probably just keep milking that until they don't more, you know, so. Sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. Love hate is is a, is a term I use frequently with them. And and I agree with every change you said, not to mention that it, it really seems like their focus is on them and their purchases and their facilitating transactions. And they've made that clear at their investor meetings with, you know, when they do their quarterly earning statements as well. So I've talked to some of the main people. I mean, I don't know if they like me um, because I'm really honest with them and I'm just kind of like, well, I'm going to quit, you know, when that, when that happens, because that means I have to start charging my agents more and I have to start doing all that stuff. And it's like, I don't want to do that. I mean, these people have kids and families and bills. And now you're telling me you're going to take 25%, which means or 30 or whatever they're going to charge. I don't think that's come out yet. And then on top of that, we have to charge all of our stuff, which, you know, I mean, I don't pay 25% is so much more than what the actual cost of a lead is in our team. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it drives me crazy, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Got a quick question before we say, wait, so having been younger and not been able to work my sphere either because everybody was drinking beer and smoking weed and didn't definitely didn't own any real estate so I couldn't refinance them but beyond that I also or uh, I opened a mortgage company at 25 and you know there were some interesting characters that worked for me my biggest challenge personally was I could produce right in terms of making money and income but changing hats and being the boss that was a difficult transition for me especially at a younger age have you found that you've transitioned well from being an agent to being an owner and a boss, or is that a challenge for you as well? That's actually my biggest challenge, I think, in my business is being a manager. I'm not really a manager type. I don't like telling people what to do. I don't like to micromanage. Um, and I feel like, you know, when you have the right people in there, it works. And when you have the wrong people in there, you feel a lot of friction. And I've recently let go of some of my friction 
And I'm finding that my team currently is really great. Everybody does their own thing. Like everybody's really motivated and, and willing to, you know, make it grow. But that would probably be my biggest challenge in hiring the right people and to, you know, just all of those manager duties um, or owner duties, you know, it takes away from your production. And that's mm -hmm. where I make the most money is in production. Mm -hmm. What are the parts of having a team that you enjoy the most? Uh, probably the support. I mean, I like to be home with my kids and, you know, I, if I don't want to go show a house at eight o'clock at night, I have a couple really great agents that love it. You know, they want to be out there. They're motivated to make money. And so I think that's probably what I like the most about having a team is just that like, if I want to go on vacation, I can turn my stuff off and not worry about whether a call is going to be answered. Cause I know that they're all in the back end, like fighting for those leads. And I think that's mm -hmm. what. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. So let's hear about this office building. Uh, I'll bring Joe in because Joe helped, I guess, facilitate this uh, monumental thing. So Joe, give us some background and context here about this uh, office building that I, I appear, I think we're looking at here in the background. Yeah. So it's a it's a fabulous building, and I told Brittany I was secretly jealous that she bought it because that would be a great Oregon City annex for Soldera. But uh, uh, historically speaking, it was the old uh, Greyhound bus depot. Um, and it kind of stayed the same footprint ever since it was like lime green and pretty heinous, but it's in the middle of historic downtown. And I drive by all the time and Brittany did a fabulous job with her, her taste for design, uh, really worked out. It's painted like this dark gray and it says move up top and uh it's really a fabulous uh spot and it wasn't the easiest thing in the world we had some kind of crazy sellers and I was think it your it was, listing joe I, i'm assuming yeah it was oh okay. yeah yeah it was how did you get the listing uh i sometimes i do things with uh one of the brokers in my office because after so many years of doing it, sometimes it's just fun to do do something together, right? Have someone to talk to. And we decided to do this together, and it was actually someone who reached out to him. Gotcha. And I don't know how uh, she came in. We also had the, the Wheel restaurant listed back in the day, and she might have come in from a lead off of that. It's now the black and white coffee shop on the corner. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, it came in, we did it together. Brittany said, I love it. There's tons of activity on it. And, um, we had to make a choice and, and we took the offer in hand, which was Brittany. And there were more chasing her after that. And, uh, it was kind of difficult, the financing and, and it's commercial and, uh, I think with everything Brittany had going on, it just wasn't a lay down 20% conventional loan, right? It was, it was difficult. Yeah. And she you know that commercial was so much different than just regular residential. Obviously I've never done, I've never bought a commercial building. It wasn't even in my five year plan. Like I literally just hadn't even thought about it. I saw this building and I fell in love with it and I was like, yeah, I've got to have this. So I reached out to a couple of people and I was like, yeah, I need some recommendations on some good commercial lenders. And I got linked up with somebody kind of horrible that changed all the terms on me the last day. 
So I called Joe. I was like, Joe, help. <laughs> and they luckily enough, like extended for me. They were awesome during that transaction. And I was linked up with um, somebody awesome and made it happen somehow, which was really Do cool. Do you want to tell us who that awesome person is? Yeah, it was Anthony Buckles at US Bank. Okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't think that going that tra- like traditional would be like, I. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've always thought like mortgage brokers the way, you know, they get you the best, you know, thing. And then, you know, uh, actually Zach Duncan linked me up with somebody that linked me up with Anthony Buckles and said, this guy is awesome. And it ended up being a really easy loan after that. They closed it in, I think 20 days, which was incredible for a commercial loan. And yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Joe, have you done much commercial? Yeah. One off you have. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's, it is definitely a different animal for sure. Yeah, it is. And, you know, the people that you attract through commercial are different animals, too. Everybody has investor hat on. Yeah, Your, their heart's not in it. It's all like, what's the cap rate? What can be done? Uh, things like that. But, you know, I've been at it 28 years and it gets boring after a while doing the same old, you know, selling houses. So, I've done um, industrial and commercial and I've done some like horse ranches and stuff and it's fun. It's like a, just a change, you know, it's the same thing, but different. And uh, so, yeah, um, sold some yeah. restaurants and dental offices and yeah, it's more of a Monday to Friday, eight to five job too. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess lenders, lenders in general, but I mean, even commercial brokers, commercial brokers, pure commercial brokers, tend to have more, you know, business hours than we do. So what's your plan with the building, Brittany? Is it just to have your office there or do you plan on subleasing sections of it? What's your kind of goal with it at this point? Yeah, there's three units and, um, uh, you know, I have, they were both rented out essentially when I bought it and, um, it was just at a really low rate that didn't really make sense financially. So I have a new person in the front unit, which she does like, you know, eyelashes and you know microblading whatever it's a pretty small studio and it's great for her and then upstairs there's a huge two-bedroom apartment and i'm gonna airbnb it i'm currently remodeling it and i'm gonna airbnb it we're right at the bottom of the elevator in oregon city and there's a couple huge things happening in oregon city right now um, obviously the paper mills being completely remodeled and grand ronde grand yeah. ronde brought it yeah yeah and yeah. so they're doing like a walkway they're breaking ground uh you know, next July. So it's going to be really cool. So it's a big project. It's going to take some time. And then the Clackamas County Courthouse is getting sold to McMinimums. No way. Where are they going to move that to? The Clackamas County Courthouse, they're moving up to the top of the hill where the rest of like the Clackamas County Jail and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, wow. I did not hear that. That's interesting. That's, so that's cool. I didn't hear it either until I started like obviously being in some of the conversations in like business and building owners down in downtown Oregon City. And you know, that's, that's cool. You know what? A uh, little Snapple fun fact for you, Joe and Steve. Did you know also in the area, I'm on the bowling team for them, is OC Brewing. The uh, free beer and Wi-Fi sign, you know, or right, cold, yeah. cold beer, free, free beer, cold Wi-Fi sign. Yeah. 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 We had bowling <laughs> last night. That's a good that place. That is too. a really cool little downtown. Now, with the news about the courthouse moving, I wonder if that takes away more traffic i mean it will but i guess is that the traffic you well i mean the lawyers and the judges and all those people i think it's better if it make minimums is buying yeah i mean yeah who wants a courthouse (laughs) 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 working better 
Yeah. yeah. They're going to have to change the name of the verdict, right? They're going to have to call it something no, else. Mike Williams is going to do something cool because there's a still old jail cells in the down in in the courthouse. I oh wow! I hope they do. Yeah, interesting, <laughs> interesting. And I have to agree, your, the value of your place there is going to do well. Um, I don't know. Do you know what Grand Ron is going to do there? I mean, you know, obvious early speculations a casino, but I've heard that that's um, not the case. No, they want to, so nobody knows anything. And they're actually supposed to submit plans to Clackamas County, Oregon City in October. So I think that in the next month, we'll know a little bit more. They have not said what they're going to do, but they did say that they wanted to diversify uh, just what they what their portfolio looks like right now. So I don't think it's going to be a casino, but they have talked about, you know, condos or uh, you know, an apartment or something to a hotel. They're gonna they're gonna do something big, but they are for sure going to be putting commercial spaces of boutiques and restaurants and you know some other stuff to to just make this a little bit more of a desirable neighborhood. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. First of all, as far as the casino goes, that would take an act of Congress, and I think there'd be a lot of backlash to have it that close to the city. I'm not saying it's impossible, but. Um, but something more in line with like what was done up in Vancouver on the waterfront or like, you know, like a bridge port or what's happening here in Lake Oswego um, at Cruiseway and Boone's. I could see them doing something like that. Can you imagine what that would do for the values and for that area, which is already a great little area. So that's right. cool. Well, that's and, good stuff. Um, we've got a few more questions here. I'll ask one and then we can kind of wrap it up because we're coming up on an hour here. But I'm kind of curious on this one because this is kind of a big challenge in my life right now, but you've obviously got a couple kids, young kids, um, married as well. How do you have work-life balance? Is it possible? Um, and if so, what does that look like for you? It's a daily challenge. Um, and I think it's ever changing, especially as my boys get older. Um, you know, I think that yeah, work-life balance is definitely hard for sure. Um, I try to use my team as much as I can to support, you know, everybody on my team has kids. So we try to definitely like use that, utilize uh, each other to have days off and to be able to go out of town. Um, but I also just try to, you know, I, I got some really good advice when I first started because the mom guilt is real. I'm sure parent guilt is real. I don't really want to go to work some days. I want to be home with my kids. And I did struggle with that a lot in the very beginning um, of like, am I doing the right thing, building this business that I really wanted to do? And I, I'm really passionate about both. I want to be like the best mom I can be. And I also want to be the successful build, you know, business owner and make all this work not for nothing. And somebody said like, you know, you can do both. You just have to do both with intention. And you have to, you know, when you go home, you need to let people know that you're home and you're going to put your kids to bed and you're going to enjoy dinner. And you will get back to them either when you put them down or first thing in the morning, or if you want a day off, you just need to be upfront about it. And so um, I started doing that. And at first I thought I was going to get backlash and then people were surprisingly okay with it. Like, Hey, um, we're not going to be available tomorrow morning. It's my son's birthday and I'm going to take him to the zoo. And then nobody would call me. And it was like the weirdest thing. I thought it was going to be so much harder than that. And it's not. So, you know, I found that uh, I'm trying to be more intentional with my time when I'm at work, I work hard. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not doing all that stuff that, you know, can suck you in. And when I'm at home, I, I try to put my phone down and be really intentional with the time with my kids and playing with them and, you know, going places and, and not focusing on work as much. So. Good advice. Like what's your advice, Tucker? So, what yeah. do you do? 
What do I do? Um, <laughs> probably. We've never talked about this. I'm a work in progress, man. I'm a work in progress. <laughs> I try and be present. See, my challenge is that my kids are just, they're tough, man. I'm at a tough age with with kids. So, like, I have a hard time maintaining energy to deal with them at the end of the day on top of everything else. So, I'm a work in progress. Yes. But that's why I ask for maybe she's got some tips that, uh, you know, <laughs> you can use. <laughs> How old are your kids? Uh, two and four. Okay, so you're in the throes of it, like me. Yes, yes. One and a half and a three-year-old. So wow. Like, yeah. My challenge is my second one. If I had had first, I wouldn't have a second one. Thank so, you, you know. That's- <laughs> <laughs> I have all the time, we're like, is he defective? Like, I love him to death, but he's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> they just yeah. no, they, they push all the boundaries where the first one convinces you to have a second child. Yeah, I've I've learned that people black out this phase and they forget <laughs> how challenging it is. So, uh, Joe, you probably don't remember uh, what this was I like. I don't. So, I don't remember. Yeah. I'm an empty nester, so uh, <laughs> I'm on the downsizing uh, side of things, and my time is my time, and lots of me and Sarah time. So it's pretty good. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, enjoy the entire ride with your kids. It's awesome, and you're gonna blink, and they're gonna be little adults like in no time but when you come out the other end of the tunnel it's pretty cool also i want to skip to your phase joe (laughs) i want to go from zero to your phase just adopt adopt an 18 year old (laughs) see how that goes good plan it's a good plan does that work? Let's, uh, let's jump forward here. We've had her on for a while, but I'm curious as we kind of wrap up here, you know, we've kind of learned about where you've come from, you know, what you got going on now. You're obviously a planner. You've got goals. You've got things that you, you know, you break down your week, but looking forward into the future, you know, what are the goals that you have set for yourself? What are the things that you want to achieve? Maybe, you know, closer in the future and then also maybe, you know, three, four, five years out. So right now I'm currently trying to structure my team a little bit better and making and um, good hires uh, to take a little bit of stuff off my plate. Um, and then, you know, ultimately I think that I do want to get bigger in time, you know, maybe add a couple more agents or go into a different marketplace. But uh, right now I, I don't have a, a huge goal in front of me, which is scary for me because I think I work better under pressure. But I think the goal is to really figure out how to uh, maximize the money that I'm making and, you know, also prepare that, you know, if something does happen in our market, you know, what that looks like, keep costs low and business high and just, you know, see where it takes me. I think I still have a lot of learning left to do in the business. So, Brittany, what advice would you give to newer agents, newer or even um, just agents not doing as much business either or? You, you, you can go both ways. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you like people that are getting into real estate, it's an incredible business that there's so many different ways to be successful. And ultimately I think that the biggest piece of advice is find out who you are and then, you know, try to find somebody that, you know, is, is like you. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't like to cold call, you don't like to be told no, don't cold call and, you know, try to find like what you're good at and then pick up piece of the business that is going to be really good for you. And, you know, it's so easy to go a million different directions in this business and spend a bunch of money. But at the end of the day, you know, if you don't have that, you know, self-discovery of how, you know, you're going to be happy in the long run, you probably won't be successful in this business. 
So mm-hmm. just being, you know, trying to find out whether it's, you know, sphere or REOs or new construction, and then just kind of maximize on, on who you can learn from. Joe, I want to ask you that question. What advice do you give to new agents in the business or agents looking to grow it significantly? Oh, so that's easy. It's uh, master your craft. It's, I'm a broken record, but if you're going to be a realtor, be the absolute best you can. And like what Brittany said is, you know, you play to your strengths. If you're not a great cold caller, don't do it. Do what you're good at and, you know, be really awesome at what you choose to do. And also you have to love doing it because it shows. If you hate cold calling, you're also going to suck at it too. So master your craft and, you know, be the, the very best, most professional, most knowledgeable, most ethical you can, and you will do well. But unless you're all in on real estate, it's not a great profession to, to be in. So you, you got to be willing to jump in. You have to yeah. like a job for sure. And that's something that a lot of people forget about. They think that it's part time or you know, you can show up sometimes, but you know, I don't know if there's a way to be extremely successful without working it like a job. Yeah. I've often given that advice. Um, I treat it like a job, set your alarm every morning. Like it sounds crazy to say, but, but I mean, there are people that get into this business and they, maybe they're out of college, maybe they're coming from somewhere else and they just, they think it's like a vacation and, and it's absolutely the opposite. I mean, I don't know many people in this business who have been successful who didn't that first year work 60, 70 hours a week. I remember when I was getting into the mortgage business, Tucker, um, somebody told me along the way um, with, with really good advice, they said, you know, give it a year of your life and it'll give you the rest of your life. Kind of saying that, for, it, which is the opposite of what people, a lot of people think is that somehow it's, you're miraculously going into this wonderful world of you, you make your hours. And Joe has a, <laughs> Joe yes, has yes. a cat. On his lap. I almost called it something else. Yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll stay PC with that. Uh, you should introduce that to our friend Randy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's your kitty cat's name, Joe? Well, it depends who you ask. Uh, <laughs> Tucker says the same thing about his two kids. She first she first adopted us, and then we decided one kid called her Dusty, the other kid called her Shadow, and I called her Chiba. And uh, anyway, therefore, shadow stuck. <laughs> so gotcha. She gotcha. is shadow. Yeah. Gotcha. Brittany, I got one last question and we're done. Okay. You ready? Yep. I met you through um, one of your business partners um, and referral partners, I'd call them, Zach Duncan. Yep. Um, what do you what do you expect of your partnerships with um, with um, people such as Zach? And I'm sure your your title escrow, you work with lawyers title. What are some of the expectations you have? What are the things you look for um, to be I, successful? Yeah, I mean, I have never been. I don't. I don't feel like I've been ever super high maintenance. I. I think that you know, for lenders, my biggest thing is answer your phone. Um, you know, and you're working on weekends because I am. You know, uh, but ultimately, I think that just being really upfront and just honestly making sure that that person has really good customer service through the entire transaction, because if they have a bad experience with, you know, their lender, it's going to directly affect the way that they look at the transaction, which directly affects me. So Mm -hmm. I think ultimately just time and time again, I push my lenders to make sure that the transaction goes smoothly um, one way or another, even Mm -hmm. if, you know, at the very end kind of, you know, making sure that that person 
is taken care of. So, um, but I have really great business partners. I feel like everybody, you know, I actually got introduced to Zach um, when my own personal deal went sideways. I was buying a house and then he stepped in and closed it in like 10 days, which was insane. And I've used him ever since. And I have a couple other great lender partners. And then also, you know, lawyers, I, I met lawyer, I met my rep the day that I, that I got licensed. I went to this like networking event and uh, she was there. I was like, I think I need a title, an escrow person. And she's like, yep, that's me. And I've never. Linda Dagnan. And uh, uh, we love Linda. She's awesome. Yeah. I see her. Uh, my significant other works for lawyers. So I see her at every, you know, holiday party, some, uh, picnic, everything. She's, she's great. Yeah. She's absolutely great. Yeah. So, and she's treated me the same before I did any deals. And, and to this day, you know, she totally moms me, but I, I love it deep down. Yeah. I want to I want to commend you on one thing, <clears throat> and this is a lesson for our listeners, and this is a really important one because I mean we've never talked about this on the show. Um, one thing that you are, Brittany, is you're loyal to your partners, right? And you will not believe how many three million dollar a year agents I meet that send one deal here, one deal there, then change, then change people, then go find a new one, then go do this. Go, but all the while, mind you, sucking the life out of these poor people, making them take them to lunch, making them go to meetings with them. And, and that I'm going to tell you right now, listeners, that is not the formula for success. If you want to hit Brittany's level, if you want to hit my level, if you want to hit Joe's level, if you want, if you want to do good business, find great partners and 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 build that partnership and be loyal and they will do things they will they will um they will jump to the moon for you and your clients and you can always be assured of that and um when when you have <laughs> when you have five lenders that you send a fifth of your business to i don't even care if you're doing a lot of business you're going to have no lenders that are really loyal to you right so I just think that's such an important part of this business. You will you will get so much from your partners if you if you have loyalty. That does not mean, and I'm not saying you can't change, but if you change, change, um, and don't don't do this wishy washy thing. There's so much of that in this business, and it's I think it's bad for the industry. What do you think, Joe? Well, so that's a whole new topic, but. Uh, <laughs> We'll keep it brief. Well, the brevity is short not your version, thing, but we'll I agree version, with yeah. you. Um, it's the difference between someone taking the ball into the end zone, which a lot of people can do, and then there's a difference of being your a partner on your team. Which anytime someone thinks, "Hey, I want to buy real estate," they're referring you as well. So a partnership is going backwards and forwards, um, referring back and forth just doing your job and making it to the end zone and with p happy people that's terrific too but if it's not a partnership then i don't want it so uh and that's with your lender your landscaper your painter your roofer your chiropractor your attorney your money manager the list goes on and on and on so i do think it's very powerful build your team with awesome people be loyal until you find someone more awesome and then be loyal to that person. Yeah. 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 And there are, and there are legitimate ways to, to have them recipro reciprocate 
the business or funding, you know, RESPA compliant ways, you know, uh, I know in the case of Brittany and myself, you know, Zillow is makes it so that your lender can help with, with some of your costs. So there's ways you do that. But when you start to just dabble here and dabble there and dabble there, it, I, it never works well. It never works well. So on that note, Brittany, um, any final thoughts for us? We really appreciate your time and you coming on the show. I'm, more impressed having talked to you for an hour than I was even before. And that was, that was pretty impressed. So. <laughs> thank you. No, it's been awesome. It's been awesome to chat with you guys and thank you so much for having me on. Okay. Can, can I ask one, one last favor of you? Yeah. Stay, stay out of Westland and Lake Oswego, Southwest Portland, Tiger, Tualatin, oh, Wilsonville. <laughs> Keep that staging company away from my 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 hood. Oh, I think you I'm both are doing kidding. fine, given where you are on the list of uh, you know who's famous. So I'm just kidding. In fact, I would love to lose a transaction to you. I would call you up and go, "Okay, you owe me happy hour." Yeah. Or or a referral fee, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or that's not RESPA compliant, huh? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, hey, Brittany, thanks for joining us this week. A fantastic show. Joe, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on here. Thank Steve, you. we'll do it again soon. And uh, for everybody listening, we're going to continue our, um, we'll call them our Powerful Women of Real Estate series. Uh, I don't know, probably next show, right, Steve? Something like that. We'll put you well, on. We're going to, yeah. Yeah. So there we go. So, all right, guys, that's this week's show. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks again for listening to our show. And make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.